we've lost that that uh the importance of family and that connection and being together right because i always say what it what is the solution here the solution is really a strong community so if you have a strong family and a strong community they're not going to allow something you know like a loved one of theirs to be outside without trying to help most of the time this is the knocking doors down podcast if you're looking to hear stories of hope inspiration and turning your greatest adversities into your advantage well you're in the right place i'm your host jason lachance and through my addiction recovery and struggles with anxiety and depression i dug into my passion of speaking with people who have transformed their lives and my guest is ali severino you might know her from vice's american relapse and the tv series dope sick nation she shares her concerns of what is impacting the homeless situation the most, including fentanyl, and she's seeing a rise in bath salts returning. Allie and I also discuss reframing childhood trauma that include abandonment issues. If you're interested in why more people aren't able to get treatment for their addiction issues, Allie shares some very insightful information. Allie's an awesome lady. We also have a ton of laughs. She is the host of the Back Alley Chat podcast, which I I recently appeared on, so I'm going to put that link in the podcast description for you guys as well. And thank you for checking out Knocking Doors Down. Please hit that subscribe button and leave Knocking Doors Down a rating and a review. It helps. It gets the word out. And while you're at it, if you're finding value in Knocking Doors Down, please share with another person. Ali Severino, thank you for joining me on Knocking Doors Down. Yeah, I'm glad I was able to come hang out with you today, Jason. I know. I, I got to get to Boca. <laughs> You'll love it. I mean, not now. You got to come down in the winter. It has been okay. like a brutal summer. <laughs> I think that's everywhere, though. I don't know yeah. what's happening, but. Yeah, my studio felt like because I spent a summer in Florida before. So my studio, mm-hmm. when I walk in, because I have to turn the AC off because I'm, you know, only when I'm here to record and stuff. And yeah, I was like 90 in here. So it's like feels human. So feels like Florida. (laughs) Yeah. I've been working in here for an hour and a half and I'm sweating. And so, yeah, (laughs) it's got that Florida feel to it. Uh, How are you doing? I mean, you know, we, uh, uh, you and I've chatted separate of this and you're doing such amazing work. We'll probably get into you out there, you know, with the homeless crisis, you and I know it's primarily addiction and mental health. Matter of fact, I don't know anyone that's out there on the streets that doesn't have a mental health issue, but how are you? How are you, my friend? Like, how are you uh, doing with it? Uh, I mean, well, I know we're going to keep it positive, but I think it's important, you know, to talk about the challenges that we all experience Absolutely. Uh, being people, right? So I'm a little overwhelmed. This this past week, I'm not sure, but I have, you know, I'm in school, so I'm in my bachelor's classes, and it's just awesome (laughs) you know that i love how now when you go to school it's like you pay all this money you're not allowed to buy used books anymore because now you need like a code because now you need the teachers don't teach anymore like i haven't had basically a teacher teach almost since covid so now you have to like have your little code and then go and do all your homework on a website and the website teaches you and then well, we have a 20-page paper in one class that's due, a financial analysis of Disney. And then, you know, so that's like a lot on its own, right? Because everyone was like, oh, bachelors are so easy, da-da-da. No. 
why would they tell me that for so many years? I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Like I heard it gets so much easier. No, it's way harder. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been a stressor a little bit. Um, Just managing my time really is what it comes down to. That's what I need to work on. And then work is, work is, you know, crazy. It's good because, you know, just today, this morning we had a, a mental health <clears throat> round table, I guess, or summit type of thing. And it was, it was interesting because we had a mayor of our city, the mayor of our county, you know, large leaders in spaces like our healthcare district, which is basically insurance because Florida is not a Medicaid state. So for our county, we have, yeah, you can't get Medicaid here. So we have like healthcare district and stuff like that. So they were all there and talking about things they want to implement to try to assist the mental health crisis. But, you know, Florida is 49th out of 50 states for how much money we have allocated to the mental health crisis. Right. You would think Florida would <laughs> have a lot more because <laughs> right. of all the Florida men that we have. You would think that. <laughs> but uh, uh, so. <laughs> They're like, no, keep catching them fucking snakes right. and gators out there. <laughs> uh so yeah we had a good conversation in that but could people forget florida is like the deepest south you can get people so it's like it's it can be gnarly in certain areas you know it's a crazy state because you have like the panhandle which is like alabama they're on a whole different time zone than us right? right still florida different time zone so you have the panhandle vibes then you have like the west coast with like the old people you have the middle, which is like the country people, and then you have the crazy people all around the country. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so many different cultures, too. So like many. Oh, pump. so many different cultures. I mean, you know, a challenge that I'm looking to overcome right now at work is we have this old couple, mommy and poppy, that's what we call them, and uh, their English, not too good. I'm pretty sure mommy has dementia. Uh-huh. But either way, we have to get her an ID because we're trying to get them into an apartment. And uh, but she was born in Cuba. Oh, right. Which happens a lot here. And normally, if you're born in Mexico or whatever, you're not a resident. But if you're born in Cuba, you are a resident because we have wet foot, dry foot. So if they make it to the shore, you're an American citizen as far as we're concerned, but we don't have a birth certificate or anything. (laughs) So I'm like, how do we do this? Like, we should be better at this with the amount of Cubans we have. But. Uh, really you don't see a lot of hispanic people on the street though no i wouldn't think so i mean i noticed when i was down there and it's it's interesting area per area you know because i was expecting with inflation that i was going to see a lot more varying ethnicities where i live that but it's not it's primarily everyone that i go and i talk to and i told you about my adopted homeless guy that just won't get help arthur um but no it's it's primarily white people that i'm seeing where we're at um Mm -hmm. you know which is mind-boggling to me because we are very heavily hispanic very big you know migrant families mexican community long-term families have been here multiple generations so i'm just thinking my God, I, I, you know, thank goodness. I, I don't know. You know, those cultures tend to bond together. It's like yep. white people. If we're like, well, your aunt and uncle, they've lost their jobs. They're going to need to move in for two weeks. Like, oh my God. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. We've lost that, that, uh, the importance of family and that mm. connection and being together. Right. 
because I always say, what it, what is the solution here? The solution is really a strong community. Yeah. So if you have a strong family and a strong community, they're not going to allow something, you know, like a loved one of theirs to be outside without trying to help most of the time. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think that's a, a big difference between us and the Hispanic population. Cause we had, we have uh, our police chief just came back. I think I mentioned this, but we have 20,000 Guatemalans living in the North end of our city, which is small. It's not like a big area. You would never know. You would never know. And he was like, wow, where do they all go? But they don't mind sleeping 20 to a room or a house or whatever it is. Like, they have space. They're going to make space for you. And I think that's something that we could take a pointer or two from, you know, right. even me. I don't want to fucking nobody in my house. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. hey, Jason, thanks for coming to Florida. You've been here two hours ago. Right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I know what you mean. And I think it's, uh, you know, I do want to talk a little bit about childhood because I think if people haven't seen, you know, the two docu-series that you were part of on, um, well, one series, one documentary on Vice, they don't really know some of the challenges. I think it, you know, it is important to to talk about those things. But yeah, we kind of I don't know about you. Like I grew up in a home of addiction. Like I had a room to myself and it kind of became really a comfort zone. And I noticed that even now. Uh if I need space to myself, I go in the office and and I just work because it's the quickest thing to turn my mind away from I don't really get cravings anymore, but I still have the isms. They're still yeah. there. Yeah, to- me too. I mean, that's that becomes the bigger problem, right? Once you practice, what I always say, practice not doing drugs, right? Because it's part of a routine. It's something that you have to get used to and implement into your life after living like that for so long. But once that's your new normal, you start finding all these other things you need to work on. <laughs> You're like, okay, great. Knocking Doors Down by Carlos Vieira. Now available wherever you get audiobooks. I wasn't done partying, and I didn't want the binge to end. I think I knew that when I finally got home, I'd have to face what I had done, and I wasn't ready to do that. Being responsible for my actions wasn't something I was looking forward to. I had abandoned my wife and baby, my family, and my business. I wanted to avoid the shame of returning to what I had left behind. Even though I was not yet going home, I wasn't sure I had enough resources to continue the binge. Click the link in the podcast description to find out more. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
I've talked about this many times, but in early recovery, I did some serious damage. I mean, I wouldn't even say early, like years into my recovery, (laughs) right? Because I'm an 18 year old kid getting sober, having very little family or friend support. um, And I'm just trying to survive, right? I'm not worried about like being honest or blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, okay, don't go to prison. Try not to be homeless. Don't do drugs. Like that's as far as my mind was going at that point. Right. Right. Yeah. And you get older and you're like, fuck, (laughs) my time management sucks. You know, I got to like my boss yesterday told me that I need to work on my facial expressions. (laughs) I'll be in a meeting with like city leaders and whatever. And I'll just be like, rolling my eyes back in my head i can't it's so dumb but it's like i have to work on these things just to be a person well well, that's kind of we we get to this point because you know we strive for such authenticity and honesty that it's really hard then to hold some things back in certain situations you know i've always considered myself a pretty polite, well-mannered person, as long as I wasn't intoxicated in some (laughs) way, shape or form. And then I was kind of a shit ass, even in sobriety dating, like that was, yeah, I wasn't very good. (laughs) I, you know, like I've told you before, I think the first addiction for sure was sex and love addiction, the love greater than the sex part. But yeah, I was kind of like an ass, like, uh, you know, three (laughs) weeks into being with someone be like, yeah, this isn't going to work. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and the first second there was any like love bombing, I'm like, peace, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> so what what changed? How did you work on that? You know what? I did Sex and Love Addiction Anonymous and oh, it really, really helped. Yeah. I had a, a friend of mine. She's been on the podcast. Um, I say friend loosely acquaintance. Her name's Brianne Davis, uh, actress. Um I think Jarhead was her biggest role I can think of. She played Jake Gyllenhaal's girlfriend in that. And so she went through it. And so just talking with her and she's like, hey, take this quiz. And it was like 40 questions. And I got 35 out of 40. Really? Yeah. In this sex and love addiction. And, um, you know, and I've told you, you know, early exposure to pornography as a kid Mm -hmm. and the molestation incident. And it's like, oh, shit, I've been looking, you know, for someone to solve all the things I feel inside forever, well wow. before I ever took a drink, you know? So right. it was like having to confront that. So, it was, yeah, it's a lot of work and, and um, you know, my relationship now really good bound. We set boundaries before we really started dating. So that's what they say you're supposed to do. Yeah. Lay it all out on the table and what do they call it? Front load. Like, hey, this is the things that I'm trying to do looking for and just put it out there Yeah. before you begin. Because setting those, like getting a dog, right? We just got a (laughs) doggy. We got to set those boundaries right away. Our doggy's not going to know the rules that we want him to live by. (laughs) Well, did you really, what about you with your relationships? I mean, I'm going to, you know, for people that don't know, you went through abandonment like did that did you struggle with that uh yeah I, okay. I still do terribly and you know it's not something and i guess that is what happens as you go through recovery is that maybe you have more time or more experiences to relate things that happened today with your past mm. and i'm able to have that bandwidth that i maybe didn't have before but i'll just say like even getting my cat i got an old cat because i didn't want to be stuck with him forever Oh. You know, like it's like because I'm, I'm not only scared of abandonment, but it's like 
Um, also scared of commitment, I believe, because of that. You know, even getting this dog, it's like, oh, I want to go on vacation. Like, because I'm scared of all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% sure why. Because you would think ab- being abandoned, I would want to be close to so many people. But I think I've spent so much time by myself and learning how to c- cope and self-soothe alone that it's, you know, a little uncomfortable for me, or you think like, Hey, maybe they'll leave too. So I don't even want to get close and open up. Right. I think that's it because I had a looking back ended up in relationships in which there was infidelity. Um, and, and it was with the exception of one, sadly, my marriage, uh, it was all on the other side. And so looking back at those patterns, I would give a relationship about two years, then I was out. And I think it was a control mechanism, like, no, you're not going to fuck me over too. But then I would Mm -hmm. manifest quickly someone else or, or, you know, my, my attraction, what I would attract Mm -hmm. is still someone of that ilk. The same thing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that says nothing about them. It says everything about me, you know? Totally. Totally. A thousand percent. Yeah. Um, That's tough. One of the best things my sponsor had me do after when I was in early recovery. So while I was in treatment, I started dating this guy and um, he relapsed after his charges got dropped. And (laughs) obviously we stayed together. (laughs) And so when I graduated, you know, we were living together, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he continued to not be able to put any real recovery together. And so we broke up and, um, you know, at that point I had never been alone. I was going into, but at least I did it right. Cause I had all these women behind me. I did it. I went to my meetings, whatever, whatever. But my sponsor was like, listen, you got to spend some time by yourself. And before you choose the next person that you're interested in, you need to write a list of what you're looking for, you know? And to me, it was like, okay, let me write this list of what I'm looking for. And what you expect out of a partner is kind of what they should maybe expect out of you also, a little bit, right? So I'm writing this list to see what I'm looking for and also what I need to become to attract that person that I really want in my life, right? If I want a person of a higher degree who, you know, is maybe running a business or going places or a growth-minded person, I need to be a growth-minded person because I can't attract that if I'm not. So that was so helpful. And I spent a year or two, a year and a half single, completely single, And it was a great time for me to learn about myself. I had a garden and I was just, you know, enjoying life. And um, I would say that was probably one of the best things I ever did in early recovery. Yeah. Oh, and you, I think you hit the nail right on the head. A lot of people, I think even with relationships, I'm an example in the past, you know, really step in with like a victim mentality of sorts, like, you know, you better because I'm not, and you're right. It does not work that way. Like Mm -hmm. when, when my partner, she and I might have different periods of motivation and we don't jump on the other person and go like, Oh, you're not getting up when I get up or you're not, you know, and it's, it's kind of like we each watch each other and go, Oh, like I had it the other morning. I was like, Oh shit. Like, She's really getting on it. You know, she works with special needs children. She's up early. She gets that space for herself and, you know, uh, work out, reads her Bible, you know, gets that. And it's like, oh, yeah, I got to get a little more hip to this because I see it working with her. 
yes. you know? And so it's, totally. it's those kind of things where you got to be like, yeah, what, what, what do I bring to the relationship before you worry about the other person? Right. <laughs> and you're so right. If you're with somebody who is doing all these amazing things, you can't, I can't, right? I can't do nothing and be with someone who's like getting after it. Like I want to like die. Because <laughs> this is my personality. But I also, I'll also be extremely lazy if the person I'm with is extremely lazy because I am like a cat. I love cats. I could sleep for 18 hours straight. <laughs> I don't know what it like. People call it depression or whatever. I'm like, I'm exhausted. I just love it, you know, and I'll just never freaking wake up. And but, you know, have my boyfriend's very active and, you know, he does jujitsu and all this stuff. So when he's up, I'm like, oh, I can't sleep till four. You know, I want to <laughs> make sure he has breakfast when he gets home and to, you know, match that energy with him. Yeah. Yeah, really nice. It, it is. And, it, and I think the great thing about it is, and we're both sharing here, is that we have someone that challenges us just by being themselves. They're not mm -hmm. like I don't sit and logically, you know, dig into work and try to improve my skills as a editor for this podcast or reels or whatever the heck I'm doing on social media to be like, see what I'm doing. It's just it's what right. I got to do. And I know she's yeah. just not the same. And so it's that necessary challenge that's just positive you're just like oh wow you are doing some cool shit and you find yourself digging them even more you know you're like totally oh, i'm really into you like you're a pretty <laughs> badass person you know i love that i love that this is my probably healthiest relationship i've ever had same um i was in a really terrible one for years prior to this my boyfriend had relapsed after like a decade of sobriety and um, it was just terrible. It was just atrocious, you know, and he, he was such a successful person. He got uh, sober very early and, you know, and with like 20 years old, he got sober, owned his own business, was a star athlete, hockey player, went all over the world playing hockey as an adult, like on team USA. He, um, sponsored a bunch of people, right? Big book, golf, all, it, just everything. And he, because of the hockey, he had these surgeries. They put him on pain pills, right? We know how that story goes. Yeah. <laughs> Ends up uh, trying to go, get, he ran out of pain pills, went to the hood to go get a pill, like in it, whatever it is. And of course they see him in a nice Escalade. So they just threw him a bunch of samples. And that was it. Yeah. That was it. He never, he still has not made it back to recovery, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just, um, so after dealing with that and the stress of that and just the family I was around in general, uh, it's, it, it made me realize how really important it is to have good people around you who are doing the right thing. Because, uh, in this family, that was not something that was important. You know, and if you were doing something, they would try to like ruin it. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. they did it on purpose, but it's like sometimes when people are in such a low place in their life, they don't want you to do better. And I don't think they, they think that way. I don't think they're thinking, I don't want them to be successful, but it, it's something in them that motivates them to act in a way that might damage 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's like the crabs in a barrel mentality, right? I mean, you and I both, we especially see this and addicts see this once you start to really work your sobriety. And then when those people you used to use with take you serious, those are, that's like the ultimate breaking free of the crabs in a barrel. But some people just do. They just have that innate mentality that is just, it's just negative. It's just like they, they're not champions of other people. And then they wonder why know. everything goes wrong. And it's like, well, look mm-hmm. at your mindset. You right. Can, you know, the way you treat others is the way you see yourself, I believe, at the end totally. of the day. You know, mm-hmm. like I want someone to be polite to me and open a door and, you know, have a nice day. So I, that's why I did helpful. Yeah. Be a helpful person. You know, like when I opened my first sober living, this girl came up to me and said, Hey, I'm opening a sober living. She was opening it like three streets away from mine. So I had two options at that point. Right. I could either be like, fuck you. I'm not giving you shit. Right. Because I'm scared. That comes from a place of fear. Or I could trust, you know, that I'm going to be okay because my higher power has all of this sorted out and I could be helpful to this person. And so what did I do? I gave her all my stuff. Here you go. Because it's already hard enough to, to actually do it. (laughs) (laughs) Having the paperwork does nothing. You know, you actually have to put all that into action. And so, you know, and that actually worked out great for me. We ended up being good friends and, you know, being great referral sources for each other. And, um, and I remember after, you know, just a little thing, but good things happen to you when you are good to other people. Right. And so uh, I always have to remember that whenever I'm being um, because I can be quite competitive, right? Quite competitive, especially at work. And so I have to always draw that back and just think, be helpful, because that is your competitive advantage, you know, is is being kind and and helping others succeed. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I struggle. (laughs) Not so much anymore, but especially when this first started, like, okay, what are our, what are our downloads and what are our views and what's the, you know, and, and it's just like, look, every now and then I get someone that messages me and goes, Hey, found your podcast or been listening for a long time. Finally wanted to message you. I addressed my addiction issue or I addressed my mental health issue or whatever it is. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not compete. I'm just, I work my ass off because like you, I believe in a higher power. This is, this is where he's placed me. Believe me, I've applied it. I've applied to do other things and nobody wants me, but this type (laughs) of work. So, Hey, that's a pretty loud got your message. Thanks there, big guy. Thanks guy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So just keep, keep going. And it's tough because, you know, even as you know, I work for a, a nonprofit. It's like even competitive with that. And it's sad. Yeah. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you get a lot out of this podcast, share with a friend. And don't forget the archive of interviews we have. Bam Margera, Brandon Novak, Kat Von D, Charlie Sheen, Edward Furlong, Kelly Osborne. The list goes on and on of amazing guests that have been on the podcast sharing how they have found purposeful lives. Speaking of purpose, how about a lifestyle brand with purpose? 5150 LTM. That's right. Not only is it a lifestyle brand that can fit whatever it is you're trying to achieve in life, but they give back to the community. And you, the listener of Knocking Doors Down, get 20% off every time you shop at 5150LTM. All you have to do is use the code KDD20 at checkout and get 20% off. And how does 5150 give back to the community? 
Portions of the sales benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Their three amazing programs, the race to end the stigma, the race for autism, and the race to be drug free. More on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's sad, like all, there's so many people that are in this industry, for lack of a better word, because it is mm-hmm. the recovery mm-hmm. industry or mental health and recovery industries. And it seems they just do it for the wrong reasons. And it, Dude, the recovery it, industry is the worst. It's so disheartening. Yeah. And you would think it would be a more beautiful place because of, some of the people that are involved in it, right? And the way that we're taught to act and learn and grow as people through the programs that we work. But um, it, it is, it's, you know, it comes down to what, like greed and um, getting those accolades and being better than the next and all of that stuff. I mean, down here, it's, I had to leave. That's why I did homelessness. Cause I said, I can't work in a, in recovery, like one more day. Like I don't want to do it when I was at daylight. you know, I never had to get clients. And like, that wasn't part of my job. My job was scholarships, community education, my mental health first aid trainer. I do trainings, all this stuff, help them with their social media. I write really, really well. So I write all their website stuff, blogging, blah, blah, blah. This new marketing guy comes in and goes, yeah. So I expect like you know, maybe like four or five clients a week. I was like, what? I can't, I'm not doing that. Like, what are you talking? And I, I quit the next day. Cause I was like, bro, or yeah. like probably like a week later, I was like, I, this is not what I want to do. Like, I'm not going to have a quota over my head to like get policies in the door and let you guys hijack my social media to talk to my followers. Like, uh-huh. I'd rather not have any part of it yeah. <laughs> and just go fucking help the homeless at the city. And because it's simple, right? It's, it's political and that's not great, but the job in itself is help yeah. people who don't have anything. Yeah. You know, and it's nice that you're at a nonprofit, but at a for-profit rehab, that is not your job. Your job no. is to no. not help anybody who needs it. Yeah. Well, and it's, uh, I mean, it's tough even with the non, you know, obviously people think that for nonprofit that every service we have, they, they just, oh, it's just all free. And it's like, we don't, we don't have like, you know, the guys on Capitol Hill writing us million dollar checks left and right. right. It's like we, we rely on people that A, will pay for some of these services, what they can, or be very kind, generous people. You know, like totally, it's been tough going through pand. I started at the end of the pandemic and then coming out. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine so many nonprofits closed during COVID. I mean, I think like I, cause I was writing articles during COVID and I think I had some statistic, like almost 50% of nonprofits, like in this realm went out of business, Mm -hmm. you know, like, wow. And probably when we really needed them the most. I mean, now I think we're finally starting to see the effects of the pandemic. 
right? Mm-hmm. It took a long time, but I, I feel it. I feel it starting to emerge in, you know, people losing their homes, their cars, not having money to cover bills. My groceries right. <laughs> have gone up like over a hundred percent in oh, my yeah. budget from what I used to spend to what I spend now a month. It's insane. Yeah, we went from uh, a budget around six hundred and fifty a month. I think we, you know, we keep it real good and tight, and mm-hmm. I think now we're approaching fourteen hundred. Yep, same. same. Yeah. Well, well, it's two of us, so we're approaching around a thousand dollars a month for food. Yeah. I make my breakfast and lunch. I don't even eat out. Like I bring food to work. Like you know, lunchbox in it, and it's still. You're right. It, the, I, it is a direct result. I mean, we got the crazy inflation. We had certain types of businesses that it was just mandated. You can't stay open. This is one of the areas I get really pissed off and I try not to get because COVID should have never been a political thing. It's like, OK, let's find no. the facts. We didn't mm-hmm. get the facts. I'm sorry. No. I'm not selling short the people that lost their lives to it at all. I do know people. Unfortunately, totally. they were in terrible health, mind you. And it's and it's and it's terrible, and I I missed them, but we did not. And you know, mm-hmm. then we took our youth and isolated our youth, which is fucking terrible for them too. Terrible. <laughs> Let terrible. alone us addicts that every one of us knows the opposite of addiction is connectivity, and we need it. And you've told us right. not to. Right. I mean, they were having like secret meetings here in Palm Beach County, like in little areas, setting up chairs outside, like at the beach, you know, which we weren't even allowed to go to the beach. Like they were just doing what they could to just still see each other and connect in person and not online, you know. And so I agree. I think it's so important to be able to go out and see your people and be healthy and be part of your community. But we started talking about this, right? And when they and in the political stuff, what it really does is it just pits you against your neighbor, mm-hmm. your neighbor that's just as fucked as you <laughs> or whatever it is. Right. They're struggling just like you. They're fucking spending a thousand dollars a month on food, just like us. Right. But for some reason now, we you know, now we're enemies. Yeah. And right. When we're divided. That's the easiest way to just control everything because yeah. people, you know. They work for us. That's how I see it. Yeah. And, and I and that's been forgotten and they have the control to forget it. And it's really, really sad. It's mm-hmm. so sad. Like, I, I am a firm believer. People like you, uh, Flint, who I work with at, at, at Parents and Addicts and Neem, myself, people in our vein and so many. I've heard Dr. Drew Pinsky on his podcast so many times. You want to solve the fucking homeless problem? Give me a call. Like, people like him. The, mm-hmm. the addiction medicine specialist has studied in the areas of mental health, PhDs. They know, but right. no one's calling. No one, not either side. So it's just like, but whenever I hear the, especially living in California, I don't know how it is there. Oh God, but, I don't know you how know. you do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's primarily democratic and I'm not attacking again, either side. I don't really care for any politicians, but mm-hmm. we're about the little man. We're about this and that. And it's like, really, you did everything to be able to drive gas prices up to near $6 a gallon. Wow. Is that how much they are by you? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. how does that help the, the little man? And Gavin Newsom, <laughs> before the pandemic said it was 
on Adam Carolla's show, he said to him, I, the, the face of homelessness to me is the single mom of three kids. Like, are you fucking serious? What? Yeah, say that because that woman votes. Right. But Arthur, the guy I help, all the people you help daily, they don't vote. No, they don't. Yeah, some of them, as totally. you know, have shit their pants earlier in the day or pissed their right. pants. Or, oh, yeah. They know? don't fucking know it's voting day. Yeah. That's, they're thinking about how do I survive the day? How do I get a little bit of food? Maybe take care of my hygiene. Maybe they need a, a beer, whatever it is. That's what the focus is, not anything else. Yeah. Um, but even at the meeting I was at earlier today, my favorite part was all the most important people in my area are up there. And they're talking about mental health, which is great. But two things stuck out. One person said, well, Oh, oh, it was Lois Frankel. She's a United States representative, right? Mm. So she was there. And she said, well, you know, I just think we need to focus on one thing. Like, let's focus on the homeless under the bridge. I know, like, at the schools, those kids need have needs, too. But let's focus, like, you know, just pick one thing to focus on and solve that. And I'm thinking, those kids in that school end up being that homeless person under the bridge if their mental health isn't taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? It's all one thing. There, we're not talking about two different people. That person under the bridge was that person in our school system. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, and then another person, you know, we could use questions. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm listening. This is my listen face. Oh, no, oh, I love it. So, um, and then the other person said, so they're closing. So basically during COVID, we had a mass encampment, massive encampment. Um, at one of our parks. So to clean that out, we took an old jail that we had called the stockade and we made that a, a shelter. <clears throat> and so that's been open for a couple years now. It's completely full and our other shelter is completely full. We have about a thousand people on our waiting list. Okay. They're closing the stockade that they opened because they built a new shelter, which is it's great, right? So that's what they're telling everybody. Hey, we built a new shelter. We're going to be closing this one down, blah, 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 blah. We have a second resource center, da, da, da. But what they don't tell those people is that the stockade has 120 beds. And this new facility only has, I think, 70, right? So we're losing almost 50% of our beds from that facility. And on top of that, half of the center is going to be for families. So now we only have what, maybe 30 beds for adults, which is our main population of people who need assistance. So today they asked the question to the mayor of the County and he was basically like, well, yeah, but from what I understand, you know, it's basically going to be the same and those beds aren't all the way full anyway. And part of that's transitional beds. And, you know, so I'm told it really won't be, have an effect on anything and we're all like and that's the person in charge Mm. you know and it's because that person gets their info from these other people who all sit in office from these other people who sit in more offices and then all at the bottom is street outreach yeah the people who actually know what's going on yeah it'd be (laughs) nice if they went hey uh ali i've heard your your story i saw it on tv in your docuseries and your documentary can you tell me, is that factual? But that doesn't right. happen. Either they don't no. give a shit, they're just that stupid, or 
They just, uh, oh, if I hear another politician with a platitude, it's just like all these stupid, just like, like, you know, it's like, oh my God, can we just cut out slogan speeches? And like you're saying, let's, that lady, I could just see it. I'm focusing on the people under the bridge. Yay. Right. You're so great. It's like, no, right. you, you dipshit. It's like, do you not understand the, the direct correlations here? Right. Like, like, what is your belief? Like, do you, do you right. How do you think they end up there, you know? And yes, it is. It really, I mean, and it sucks that there's so much. It's funny with the school stuff, right? Because we want to put a lot on them to do, but we don't want them to do a lot too. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people now since COVID have all these things about, why don't I teach my kids this? And I don't want this. Um, So, you know, we, we need to find a balance in this country, because we're so off balance right now with, and it's, it all comes down to these stupid fights that don't even matter about stuff that don't even impact our lives. Like does, and does like whatever they're teaching about sex or anything. I mean, yeah. I think maybe like middle school, like maybe not when they're little kids, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. You know, like, fuck, like what matters is, is their therapist there? Are the kids getting a genuinely good education? Can they read? Can they do math? I had this young man on my podcast last week and his name is Victor and he had um, experienced chronic homelessness as a child with his family, his very large family. They were in and out of the shelter just for about 10 years. Yeah. Um, And he finally went to school for accounting, you know, which I thought was amazing. But what, you know, another thing he didn't know when he started the school was student loans and credit cards because he thought, well, if I get enough student loans and I give it to my mom, we're going to be okay. We're going to be better, right? But those are things that maybe he should have learned in school, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just if we just gave a quality education. Uh, other countries teach financial liter- literacy as early as like first grade, you know? Really? It's, yeah. It's like, let's focus on those things. Let's let's focus on mental health stuff. Like I, I would be, I spoke at this one school and I'm sitting there talking to these kids and I'm like, well, how many of you go see the, the therapist on campus? Um, most of them are like, yeah, we've had an initial appointment, but can't get in again. I'm like, why? Well, they're only here one, maybe two days a week. I'm like, th- they like as in singular or plural? They're like one. I'm like, wait, hold on back the the fucking card up there is 1600 kids on that campus and they have one person that's there twice a week but the football team has five full-time faculty five full-time wow and they have all these part-time it's like look i'm a guy that sports kept me from using drugs and alcohol in high school so i'm all Mm -hmm. about it but at the same time it's kind of like let's re-examine this a little bit here guys you know we we kind of do you know and i was like hey i would love to come here and do 12-step program like just put it out there like it works it's good stuff Mm -hmm. it helps you reflect take a look at your life all these things like yeah where are these real life skill sets like unless your kid really is excelling at math do you need to push them towards trigonometry it, it, not really like not, I haven't used it yet. <laughs> no, like, you know, I, at one time I thought I wanted to be an engineer. So I get that, yeah, you know, yeah, totally. excel in math, but otherwise like, is it necessary? You know, Hey, a little more yeah. trades going on. 
Or even like you said, like, you know, a person like, and I guess it's different for schools, but in general, like today they were talking about, you know, that we have such a shortage of mental health professionals, basically like master's level clinicians is what everybody's looking for. But where, where can peers help bridge that gap, you know, is what I want to know because peers have a different way of going about things. Maybe they have a different vocabulary a little bit, but they're very efficient in problem solving. And so how can we utilize the millions of peers we have in America? Because millions of people have uh, recovered from drug addiction, (laughs) mental health challenges. How do we, you know, utilize the ones that want to help to help this crisis without having to go to school for six years? Because that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I had someone like they they had let me know they're like, "Hey, the um the the mental health center here or whatever. They're looking for these different positions." I'm like, "I don't have a master's degree." And they're like, "What?" Like, right. "You really know what you're talking about?" I'm like, "A because I lived it and B, I've then studied the shit out of it to know it." And a buddy of totally. mine, he goes, he said that. He's like, "You help me more than the person that I go to that went and got that degree. Like you mm-hmm. actually get it." And you know how to talk to me and you're engaged. He's like, I've gone in there sometimes and they're just like, uh-huh. And he's like, the lady kicks her leg up and I think she's just doodling on her pad. And it's, you know, it's like, yeah, like government, you're going to have to get hip to the fact that people in the private sector can do this shit really good. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I would love to have a nonprofit one day. I bet it's really challenging though, huh? Which, what do you think is your biggest challenge at work? Is it the people? Is it the work? For me, it's the it's it's that I'm doing so much digital like content all the time that I don't get to work with people as much as I would like. Oh, but, you miss it. Yeah. But, but really, I think it's the um, taking people beyond awareness. It's like like if if you don't know what fentanyl is by now, you've been living under a rock. And you totally. don't want to know, like you're not asking any totally. questions and you are just the opposite of one of my models, which is always be curious, not judgmental. But so it's like, what world are you like living in? So I think the awareness stuff is there. It's just sometimes maybe encouraging people to, hey, like get involved. Like you don't have to be an expert. Like right. I'm passionate about this. This is what I made. You've made your life out of it. You're passionate mm-hmm. about it. But as simple as help is. Hey, Ali, I live in your area. Is there any, you know, a DM? Is there anything you guys need? Yeah, sometimes we just need uh, some help with some food. Great. I'll make yeah. 100 sandwiches or whatever it is. You know, it's those right. kind of things. Totally. It, it doesn't have to be this big, huge, bombastic, like, thing. It could be simple. It could be one time. Yeah. It could whatever it is. That's such a good point. Um, I never even really considered that, but you're so right. How do we bring people past that point of, oh, we're learning about stuff to, hey, we're contributing to solving or helping this issue. Um, Like for us, like right now, like we've run into so many small things every day. And because I work for government, we're not allowed to take spending a dollar is a nightmare, right? Like spending Mm -hmm. any money is really hard and we don't have it. So I'm not spending any money from my office, right? So, I mean, half the time, I mean, like I have a few people that are in treatment right now. I'm the treat. I'm the only person that's a peer. I'm the only person in recovery at my job. So, you know, I take on a lot of our 
those individuals that have addictions. And, but when I get them in the treatment, they need cigarettes, right? Like I'm not going to let them be there without cigarettes. I'm sorry. Like (laughs) it's just a thing inside of me that I can't do to them. So, you know, I'm coming out of pocket for all these fucking cigarettes. Now I can't ask people to donate because they think it's not good or whatever. But you know, like uh, the other day I had this, this, poor young man okay he had two donuts on his car thank god the cops were there so he's driving down the street two donuts the front one like a cartoon flies off the whole wheel flies off (laughs) he pulls over the cops are there they're the ones that called me over and he's you know homeless living out of his car has every freaking light on the dashboard on i've been there and now he has a donut and he's lost a whole wheel and it, really, it's just as simple as like a $20 like hub thing kit and like a $30 used tire, right? And I could have just changed his day unbelievably by fixing that for him. Um, you know, so my goal has been to reach out because we have so many people living out of their cars nowadays that we need more money for car stuff, whether that's gas or fixing little air conditioner stuff or whatever that is, you know, that's what I'm kind of working on because I just want it to be easier to help. But if we had the community members going, Hey, I own an automotive store. If you ever need a little something, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll give you a proud sign to put in your window too. You know, Hey, you know, good public thing. You got social media, put it out there. Go ahead. Right. Look, if That's The Rock idea. can give a, a veteran his pickup truck and put it on social media, we could put all this out there, too. You know what I'm saying? Right? That's a good point. I didn't yeah. know that. He gave his he gave his car to a veteran. I'm pretty sure the gentleman was a veteran, if I remember correctly. It's one of his, like, pickup trucks or something like that. Yeah, it's a pretty cool move. You know, people like, That's oh, and cool. then you put it on social media. It's like... A, I'm going to look at it as he has the means and he's going to show that, yes, you can give acts of kindness. This is what my means right. afford me. But like you're saying, it might be the guy that owns a tire shop, you know, that mm-hmm. maybe he himself yeah. struggled in some way, shape or form. Right. You know, and totally. so I, I think that's the hardest thing is just letting people know that you do have a part and a place in this. And, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it's up to you to decide how big or small it is for whatever reason. Yeah. It is hard, though, when people ask me, like, what do I do? How can I help? Like, I don't always have, like, a good answer, I guess. I got to work on that because I don't always know what they can do. Because to me, I'm looking at, like, a. I think it's the way I'm looking at it. I'm looking at, like, a large problem um, from above, you know, and Mm -hmm. I get overwhelmed because I'm like, bro, this is, like, our homeless population is growing every day. Every day I just see it getting worse. I see the bath salts getting worse. I see all of that. And some random old lady who's the kindest, sweetest person in the world asked me how she can help. And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I don't know. (laughs) But Uh, you're right, you know, to come up with little ideas for them and maybe even save their number or make a spreadsheet. Yeah. You know, something, something. No, and you bring that up. I'm I'm curious. On, I wanted to ask your opinion on that. Do you you had communicated that with me that you were seeing a return of bath salts, and I haven't gotten any data out here because you know the area I live in essentially doesn't have much news coverage. So the biggest thing <laughs> is then Fresno, California, and and we're not hearing that um, as far as that. But do you think that that's maybe some people getting hip to the facts? Like, look, I still want to be out here. I still want to get fucked up, but 
I saw three of my friends OD on fentanyl and I don't want to go that path. Could very well be that, you know, could very well be that. And, you know, it's the, um, it's a party drug, Mm. right? It's just, they're feeling good. And it's a drug that allows you to feel good, but not maybe die or detox but you never know nowadays because you don't know what's in this shit i told you i had somebody overdose hitting a crack plate right because they're just putting fent in everything um but yeah it's uh it's an interesting drug it is and i have seen people who i've known for a long time out there that have done nothing and that that's the scary thing about bath salts mm. or what they call molly right because they're calling bath salts molly mm. um and so people look at that as oh it's not addictive you know it's something that can be fun and then they just start using it out of hey yeah you're bored you're sitting next to a bunch of people who are doing it like why not like right. why not and then it's a whole spiral. Then now you haven't slept for days. Now you already have mental health condition. Now it's really getting bad. And now we're on a whole nother level of just <laughs> psychoticness, you know, that's really, what, truly. That's what I was going to say. Hey, let's step into a psychosis here. Let's give this a go. Right. Uh, let's do a psychosis. <laughs> reminds me of a time I had a doctor. He's like, um, because I didn't really identify that I struggled with anxiety until I started trying to get sober. And then he's like, well, um, you know, you can try Xanax. And luckily I got on the internet and I went, do you realize benzodiazepines are essentially a pill form of alcohol? Like really the result, (laughs) if you break down what alcohol does, it's the uh, people get pissed at me when I say this in meetings, I'm like, dude, we were on the greatest anxiety medication ever. Like alcohol was fucking awesome for it. Like, want to talk to that girl? I'm afraid to watch this, you know, uh, whatever it is. Do I want to get up and dance? Uh, Watch this, you know? So it's like, yeah, great. Now prescribe me something. It's it's, uh, (laughs) like, yeah, I would have been, I would have been one of those people shit city had I just went, okay, thank you, doc. Dude, and that, and Xanax is a a serious, that's hard to get off of, you know, it's just a, yeah, that's a rough one. That's a rough one. My mom, interestingly enough, you know, uh, if, if people who don't really know a lot about my story, basically, both my parents struggle with mental health and substance use. And when I was very little, my mom literally just like left one day and I didn't see her for many years. And we've had a no relationship, basically, my most of my life. <clears throat> um, to no, last, no, this year? Was it this year? I think. This year, last no, last year was the first time I saw my mom in probably over a decade in person. Um, my little sister reached out to me <clears throat> to see if I would go up there for her 60th birthday and surprise her. Um, and I was like, yeah, because we were talking on the phone here and there and it was fine. It was cordial. You know, like I forgive both my parents. I know that they only did what they could do at that time like they were not perfect just like i'm not they were both struggling with addictions right like <clears throat> so i i totally get it so i said okay so um anyway i surprised my mom she was like in shock uh to see me but uh, since i saw her you know we've been talking a lot more regularly and we've just been trying to have have an, a decent relationship but um So she's sober now, you know, which is really cool. But an interesting thing about my mom is that 
she uh many you know she hasn't drinking in, in many many years but she did she did start pain pills which was like a whole other thing but when she stopped drinking Ooh. it was because she started paxil oh and when she got on the she saw a commercial for it she started taking paxil and that relieved her depression which is why she was drinking in the first place and ever since she started that medication and found one that worked for her she never touched another drop of alcohol or wanted to which i think is so interesting you know yeah how many people are just self-soothing and don't even realize it yeah well and i have um i do and i've talked about i do take and i can't remember the name uh bupropion it's it's a it's a non-SSRI. Mm-hmm. So, and I take it and it's like the lowest dose you can possible. And it, it seems to help. And it's not that I don't get hit with little waves of depression or anxiety, but they ultimately beyond that, like I have the tools now to work through it rather quickly. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, it does it help. Yeah. And I've debated like going off of it and everything else. And it doesn't have the withdrawals. Like I was on an SSRI when I, my late teens, early twenties. Oh my Ooh. God. That was, yeah. Like the leg tremors and yeah. Cause I was on Prozac. And so it was oh, wow. like, yeah. And everybody's like, dude, you're like always happy. And it's like, well, isn't that a good thing guys? Cause you always <laughs> said I was really down. It's like, no, but like we could say, Oh man, did you hear Bob? He, he got hit by a car, he's gonna lose his leg. I'd be like, fuck, that's gnarly, you know? And it was like, <laughs> oh my God. Really? Yeah, it like dawned on me, like, oh my God. Yeah. That's so crazy. For me, again, I'm yeah. not saying this like oh, no. I want somebody oh, listening, it's going, oh, totally. I'm on Prozac and I need to quit today. No, no, no. I'm sharing my experience for me. Many people mm-hmm. that, you know, I know friends that are bipolar, take that medicine every day, please. Yes, please. Because we know where please, it goes. Please, please, please. Yes, 100%. And you know what's cool now is the doctors have that genetic testing that you can do. Mm. Where they can actually see what medication works best with your body. Because, you know, there are obviously a lot of options for uh, depression, anxiety, and stuff like that. And a lot of people go for years testing out different medications to see what will work best. But now they can actually see the anabolic pathways or some shit Mm. and they can tell you okay this medication will work best for your body and the way your body works and so i think that's a a amazing advancement in science you know like what a what a cool thing to be able to offer people uh, genetic testing for their medications absolutely i would love to see and i know this is lofty because we're already struggling enough with homeless people to get them any kind of help as you know far Mm -hmm. better than i but I'd love to see a situation as anybody that is on prescription medication and then maybe some other supplemental stuff like, hey, guess what? You're going to have vouchers for three months and you get to try yoga and breath work and ice baths and meditation yes. and all these like, 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 let's give them some options to explore it because totally. uh, breath work, phenomenal for me. Uh, cold showers yes. just make me cold, but I'm trying to stick <laughs> with it. <laughs> you know, I, I hate being wet and cold. So it's like, I know me too, but I'm doing my best. I'm trying. Yeah. I got a, got a buddy. He's pushing me. He's like, you can do this. So, you know, I just think anything more we could do to like open up the possibilities to people. Cause I think, and I know from your life experience, in my life experience, there wasn't really any of that in the home. I mean, my mom was always at like go to the gym, aerobic. She was always in mm-hmm. in good shape, but you know, my dad, oh hell no, you know. Yeah. 
So Yeah, no, no one taught me to, I mean, when I was a kid, I did learn though, and I didn't know I was meditating, right? So I'd go to bed and my dad's drinking and listening to music really loud and yelling, you know, just being a drunk person, a very drunk person. I'm and familiar. So, yeah. <laughs> right. It's traumatizing <laughs> uh-huh. growing up. Right. So, um, but for me to go to bed, how I would be able to actually fall asleep is I would do this thing where I would just try to see just black. Huh. Right. And if, and if a thought or a vision came in, I would make it go away till I just saw black again. And that's what meditating is, right? Like, that is meditation where you just focus on, you try to focus on nothing. And if a thought comes in, you release it, you know, it's okay, but you don't have to stay with it. And it's just so funny. I didn't know that's what I was doing until I got so much older. I just thought I knew a really fast way to fall asleep, <laughs> no matter what the situation is, you know? So but yeah, stuff like that, very important to learn. What are some of the things that you do do? I mean, are, are, do you still meditate? Or, I mean, what is yeah. kind of your your MO for self-care? So I uh, still meditate because I still, you know, um, have a busy mind, especially when I lay down at night and stuff like that. Uh, so I do that. I do yoga uh, three, four times a week. Um, I horseback ride. So, which is a luck. I got lucky to even be able to do that. <laughs> the police chief who helped me get my job. I don't know why he's so nice to me. He's married. I promise. I don't know. He's <laughs> very nice to me. He introduced me to a bunch of his friends and this lady, beautiful woman, older lady, doctor, these piercing blue eyes. She reminded me of my grandma. And so, and all these people are like super wealthy and like, uh, uh, uh. and so I'm sitting there like feeling like a total imposter. You know? yeah. <laughs> and so, but she was like, oh, we have horses. And I was like, oh, I used to ride horses. And she goes, you can ride? I was like, yeah, well, I, like I used to, you know? And she was like, oh, good, come ride my horse. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get that. I'm not, not going to remember how to ride a horse, you know? I was just nervous. But um, anyway, so I went that first time. And now they have me go there all the time. Anytime they go, I mean, I could go there anytime, but anytime they go out of town, they want me to exercise their horses. So that has been so awesome you know because i just love giving them their baths and doing yeah. ring work and doing a trail ride it's just like wow i can't believe i get to do that um yeah. so that's something and then i go outside a lot because i feel you know my god is really like nature centered and so i just feel really connected to like the world when i'm out there so yeah. That's my little, that's what I do. <laughs> that's, I love it. Hey, I read this quote the other day and it was Michael Jordan. He said this, he said, uh, all men that are being nice are not hitting on you. So I'm sure hey. he's just a nice man. Right. Thank you. Everyone's yeah. like, uh, I'm like, no, these people like, he's just so nice to me. Yeah. My last relationship, I had to like, to make that clear. I was like, what are you accusing me of? Well, and then it, and then it turns out this person cheated too. And it's like, Really, like, I'm just a nice person. Like, like, remember how you had to make moves on me because I'm terrible about reading signals anyways. Like, somebody could be flirting back and I'm not going to know it. Like, right? Totally. Like, like, you would have to use some really blatant language for me to get it. That's just how thick I am upstairs because <laughs> I don't think that way. Like, right. I'm just, yeah, like, just be nice. So, 
anyways 100 uh, well you also have an amazing podcast that you're doing too so why don't you we're gonna let you fill people in uh, in on that real quick and then we're gonna do some random questions all right oh fun yeah all right so yes uh back alley chat podcast my uh instagram friends help pick the name and the logo and all the fun stuff it's really a community podcast so we try to have fun on there if you guys ever want to check it out you can find it all over the place i love my youtube i have other videos on there too um so yeah back alley chat on instagram too (laughs) and i'll put the links in the in the podcast description and uh yeah i'll be on there someday we'll figure it out i'll get on hopefully monday right uh uh, all right random questions random questions all right um which one do I want to start? I had a good one the other night that I was like, oh, I got to save this for Allie. And of course, I put it in my phone and my phone is my cam- webcam, <laughs> so I can't get it. Uh, last book you read and what did you get out of it? Oh, God. Um, Not a textbook, Allie. Right? Literally. I think the last book I I read was either, it was probably Who Moved My Cheese. Have you ever read that book? Uh-uh. It's a very, it's a great, it's a simple book. One of my ex-boyfriends actually turned me on to it. When he was in prison, his uh, aunt would send him different passages of this book all the time. And the idea of the book is that there's Skiff and Scurry and like two little humans, two miniature humans and two little rats. And they're in this maze with cheese. And they're at Cheese Station C, right? And Cheese Station C has so much cheese. And every day they're going about hem and haw. Those are the little people. They go back. And they're eating the cheese, eating the cheese. But what him and Ha don't realize is that the cheese is dwindling, right? But the rats, they notice that the cheese is going down, right? So they're going to sniff out new cheese and new situations. It's all about change, right? And how we react towards change. And him and Ha, you know, they sat there when the cheese was gone. They're like, why did they take our cheese? I can't believe our cheese is gone. Our life is over. What are we going to do? And skip and scurry, they're looking for new fucking cheese, you know, while they're bitching about not having cheese anymore. So, yes, that was the last book I read. Uh, I love it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That's good. I, and I haven't really thought of it in that regard. So, that's pretty cool. I might have to check that one out. It's a it's uh, an easy read. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the heck is the last thing I read. I want to say, Jerry, is it called The Golden Ring or The Golden Compass? I can't remember the author. Jeremy Jackson had me buy it Um, what kind of book is it it's it's just a short book and it's on faith oh yeah it's it's like it's it's just a little thing and i can't remember the guy's name and i'm i'm just drawing a blank but it's it's only like five or six pages and then it's got a bunch of his other writing in it and it was just i was really kind of struggling with higher power and faith and and it was when i had uh jeremy jackson who was on baywatch on the podcast and um we just kept in touch and he's like, Hey brother, you know, I shot him a text. He's like, no, check this book out. And I got, I'm like, Oh shit, you're right. You know? And it was, it's just this beautiful way of simplifying faith in whatever form it is and the necessity That's for cool. it. Yeah. So you if I remember, text I'll text the name you. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. I, um, that reminds me of this book. I've read a lot of it. I haven't completed it. It's a little longer, but it's called tattoos on the heart. And there's a, a, I don't know. He's like a pastor or like a church, a priest or whatever it is um, in LA. 
and he deals with uh, ga- uh, gangs and he has this nonprofit called Homeboy Industries hmm. where he puts all these people to work. Sorry, <laughs> and, um, it's just amazing because uh, his stories are just like ours, right? Like at work, but as he's like this like priest guy, you know, who's like in the hood dealing with all this craziness. And, it, and that's, that was a really good book. And, I, and every time I read a new chapter in it, I get something out of it that allows me to be kinder and more helpful when mm-hmm. I go back to work. Cause I need that sometimes it just, Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, uh, last song you played intentionally. Oh God. Well, it was a uh, little, I'm sure it was a little Wayne. <laughs> uh, intentionally. I think it was a little, it was like, oh, I was, I was trying to find all this like 2005, 2006 music that I used to listen to. So I was like going through like little Wayne old albums. So it was a little Wayne song. I don't know which all one, right. but I was trying to get the vibe, the high school vibes. In my head. <laughs> get that back. Uh-huh. I got you. Uh, let me ask you a question. And if this is a sensitive thing, go ahead. Um, and just tell me if, Nope, not fucking talking about. But you did go through a situation that we talked about earlier where you went through abandonment and you came home from Disney World with friends and there was just Mm -hmm. families gone. Yeah. Have you been able to go back to Disney World or is it a thing that still holds a trigger? Um, So believe it or not, it has always not been the best place for me, which is you know, so I had gone that one time, had a terrible experience. Obviously, the next time I went, um, this guy I was getting very close to actually passed away while I was there. And so I was like, I just hate it. Like, I hate it. And then I don't know if it's the same, but about a year or so ago, I went to Islands of Adventure, which is like right by there, just Orlando in general. And I had a really great time. And so you know, I'm excited to go to Disney again and just try it with my boyfriend who um, I feel so safe with, you know, and secure and see if we have like a better time because, yeah, even when I went back that time, I was like, not feeling it. I was like, oh, something bad ever happens every time I come here, you know, <laughs> <All right. laughs> so silly. Uh, but, thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah. I was I was curious about that. And I thought it was really important to maybe share with people so that they understand, hey, they, you know, hey, they're not alone. Because sometimes places do hold a trauma response for us. Um, you know, I had to go back or I went back eventually to the home that I grew up in where, you know, the molestation incident had, and I went to that location and I was just like, I'm not going to be powerless here. You know, like, like I also, what was that like? I I really, I, I've, and I don't know if it's just people used to call me uh, at the radio station when I worked in radio, Mr. Fucking Pollyanna, because (laughs) you know, my perspective, like I just try to find the positive of scenarios and, and it was just like that. I remembered so many other things like, no, me and my brother and my friends played around in this area because it was behind my dad's shop. And and then my basketball hoop, my dad it was, in retrospect, his way of wanting to be close to me. He could have put the basketball hoop up at the house, but no, he put it down at the shop. And, you know, so I just kind of remembered those things and, and yeah. all the fun stuff. And that, yeah, that memory, it's like any of the feelings, the emotions, the, the seeing it again, it's, it's really faded away, 
Like I just, wow. I don't let it rent space anymore. I'm like, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. How did you get to, did you just go stop by your old home? Cause I always want to go see my old home whenever I'm up in New York. I'm like, I want to just see it. But it would be weird if I'm like, hey, I used to live here. Can I like look around? <laughs> like, is that what you did? Like, um, the the people that lived there, they're the bought it from my folks. We somewhat knew, um, okay, and I cool. had given them a bunch of shit. Like, I had I I'm a huge professional wrestling fan, but I was like crazy really? fandom then. Oh yeah, I worked in the you business. Like Logan Paul or what? No. No, you no, hate I don't him? Cheer. I don't cheer. No, he, he's not meant to be cheered for. He's a bad guy. He does it Is well. Is he a bad guy? Yeah. I like to I like to boo him. How's that? And he's <laughs> meant to be booed. He does the good work to do it. Um, but, you know, we're talking like the Stone Cold Steve Austin era. And yes, the Rock yes. And, and so my mom would buy me these pay-per-view posters. And so I had this huge room off the house and I left it. And so he just remembered me. I pulled up and I'm like, hey, my folks. And he's like... Oh, you're their son. He called me, I think, Jeremy or something. I was like, no, Jason. I'm like, hey, can I just, I don't want to go in the house or anything, but just the shop had some memories and and he, you know, it's like 20, 30 minutes. You know, I went out there by myself. He let me futz around and just kind of look and yeah, it was, it was, it was a cool experience. So yeah, that's um, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was, I feel very fortunate that I was able to do that. I've never told anyone about that till now. Thanks for sharing that with me then. Yeah. That's really cool. It's yeah. nice to be able to explore those stuff. Like sometimes I'll, I'll go somewhere or I'll hear something like that music I was looking for or I smell something and this like feeling will come over me that I haven't felt in so long or like, you know, and it's just so nice because for so long I spent so much time. Uh, I don't know if it was just survival mode. So I just wasn't even thinking and I just, was not paying attention to stuff or just shoving it down and not paying attention to it. But I feel like I like forgot so much of my life, right? My childhood, like those important years, I just don't remember a lot. So, right. Same Me too. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to, to do something like that. And and maybe you remembered something that you had forgotten or just spark the feeling of that nostalgia is just kind mm. of nice, you know? Yeah. yeah. Feels human. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, remembering my grandpa and, uh, you know, friends that were there and riding go-karts with my big brother and, you know, all those things. It's all the cool yeah. shit. So, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. It was really it was sure. cathartic. It was healing. It was, yeah. So, yeah. thank you for letting me share. Because uh, these are your random questions <laughs> that we got way <laughs> off track. <laughs> um uh let's see what's the phone uh you could have dinner with any one person living or not who would they be and why i've known this i think about this all the time i can't believe i don't have an answer right now let's see who do you love hey maybe i'd sit with joe rogan that would be kind of cool yeah just for fun you know that would be kind of fun to talk to him or someone who maybe like a margaret thatcher or like uh or uh, who is the other guy who is a gangster, um, like a Dale Carnegie or somebody oh. like that, you know, or Winston Churchill or somebody yeah. like maybe from there. If I could go back in time, I would totally go, I think, to like the 40s, 50s. Really? Yeah. It was like a total vibe. 
I like that because it just, and maybe it's just the, the, what we have to be able to see and what was photographed and filmed, but it just seemed like everybody had a classiness. Like you didn't go yes. out unless you were to the nines, to the best of your ability. And totally. It, totally. And, and I say that as I'm a guy that's in a G.I. Joe snake eyes t-shirt that I have my tattoo and I'm in like these <laughs> joggers and shit, but like I, I, there's something wonderful about that. Yeah, Totally. It's just, it reminds me of like real, like America, America, you know, yeah. like just like old fashioned, like families and a little home and your little, what, what do they call like the station wagons and right. a parade. Like I remember when I was little, we'd always go to parades and it's like, that's where you would see your neighbors and like your community members. And again, how we started it, how we're ending it. Right. It's just right. like being together. It just like, I think we yearn for that as people. And I so maybe too. that's why I'm like, oh, that would be nice to just I do too. be close. Yeah. And then, of course, being back in that time, somebody would say something racist and I would be in jail. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that wasn't the best part of that. But. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell so people have asked me that. I'm like, oh, the 80s for sure. Uh, Sunset Strip. I would have had a really good time for about five years before my funeral <laughs> was being arranged. <laughs> I, I, that's like my prime music, uh, you know, been like, oh, yeah, I would have oh, tried. Yeah? I would have wanted to been hanging out with Motley Crue. That's my favorite rock band, them and Kiss. And, <laughs> you know so totally yeah, yeah. Totally. But, oh uh, my gosh motley crew oh oh i got some stories that we'll do that another podcast um yeah i can't wait to hear them uh one more i had one more good one uh, and i totally am blanking that's <laughs> what i get for putting them on my phone howie uh all right i know you you probably want to eat dinner and be and it's like almost what nine o'clock your time yeah um <laughs> Uh, you're stranded on an island. You can have one music artist, greatest hits, and one movie with you. What are they? Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, so movie, I think I would have to choose either, um, what's it called? True Romance? You ever watched True oh, yeah. Romance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with Schwarzenegger and, and I love Jamie that Lee movie. Curtis. Oh, that's such a great movie. That's a good movie. That or I also like Fried Green Tomatoes. So one of those two movies. I watched them both many times. So that and one artist greatest hit. Oh, I gotta pick a good one. God, who's been around forever? Maybe like a I need some variation in this if that's all I can listen to for the rest of my life. This is like serious, you know? Because right. I'm tempted to say Little Wayne again, only because I know he has so many songs, but they're number one songs. <laughs> or Eminem. Uh, I don't think I could listen to him every day forever. Maybe Rihanna. I go with Rihanna. Rihanna okay. or Beyonce. You know, because if I was stranded, I would need that upbeatness, that work, 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 while I'm like building a boat and trying to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> uh, I tell people, A, because Prince is my favorite musician of all time. But Prince? it's like, yeah, it's like if you're picturing like a greatest hits, it's like the dude wrote something like 42 albums or something. You know, there's a wow. lot of music. So and, holy shit. And totally different kind of music, too. I mean, it's all over the place. So, anyways. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. Prince. Allie, 
This has been a pleasure. I'm glad that I have met you and uh, hopefully we got a lot more work to do together. Just to kind of continue to help. And I'm, I'm just, again, if people, you know, I know your documentary and your docu-series are out there. Uh, we'll find those links. People need to go watch them. Um, I just think you're a phenomenal person that uh, I recently did a clip. You might have seen it on the difference between heroes and villains, and it's what they do with their pain. And you're a real example of doing some great stuff with it. And it's just uh, it's cool as shit to know you. I think you're just a wonderful person. I feel the same way about you, Jason. And honestly, oh. even in this conversation, you've like opened my mind to things, even with just like little like the thing we were talking about with the what can people do to help? Like, I'm going to take that with me outside of here and like genuinely try to implement stuff like that. So, yeah, that was really cool. I appreciate you, Jason. Oh, awesome. Anything else you want to drop? The floor is yours. If you got anything else you want to throw in there for people. No, nope. uh, if no one told you guys they love you today, I love you. We believe in you. You can do it. And um yeah, follow me on the social medias and my cat, Jughead, <laughs> loves to hang out. With my <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, keep knocking doors down. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast, featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma, to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about.